Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay, one of the hosts of Yield Crime. Just wanted to give you a heads up that since you were listening to an earlier episode of Yield Crime, you may notice that the audio quality isn't the best. It does get better, I promise. If you are willing to stick with it, great. If you'd rather start with better quality audio, I would suggest skipping ahead to episode 19 when we purchased newer, better audio equipment. And on that note, thank you for listening and on with the show. Welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Sengel. Hello. How are you? That is a very loaded question, <laughs> I think. Um, I'm okay. We are um, based in Minneapolis. And um, my sister lives in the suburb of Minneapolis. And um, if you don't know what's going on in the world currently, um, I'm not sure what's wrong with you because even the Amish know what's going on. So, um, (laughs) so I've been basically just trying to um, focus on my work, which has been really hard throughout the week, and. Um, kind of keep updated on what's going on. Um, I haven't been at any protests because of my fear of COVID. I have a chronic illness, um, but I've donated to a couple local um, organizations and am trying to educate myself as best I can with some of the really, really, really incredible and numerous resources that have been shared on social media. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as innocent as a question is, how are you right now? I don't think any of us are good. No. Like at all. Um, And I think that that's okay. I think we need to sit in this feeling and we need to acknowledge it. And um, I also think, you know, this is a time for us to do the work now because our African-American friends have been shouldering this for ever. Mm -hmm. And it's now our turn to be uncomfortable. It's our turn to learn. And it's our responsibility to do what we can to make it right. So um, I probably won't be good for a while. And that's okay. Um, As long as you're moving forward and being a good person and um, keeping this going so that it's not just a week or two weeks or a month or a year. Yep. And I think from all the stuff that I've read and we are recording this episode the week after everything started, right? Yep. Um, From everything that I've read and I've heard, unless it's, become blatantly obvious to you we are two white girls that have no idea what people of color have been going through for hundreds if not thousands of years um we grew grew up in a predominantly white area and we moved i still predominantly white about 98 percent white yeah yeah like i think my graduating class in high school had maybe like two or three people of color in it when I graduated. I think that, that was like 300 some people. Yes. So, um, but I feel like the most important thing, obviously if you're not comfortable to go out and be part of a peaceful protest or um, make donations, if that's something you can't do, just listen. If you don't have to try and say, oh, I get it because you won't get it. Just listen to know how you can be a better ally in the future. So we can be um, a force for change and a force uh, force for good moving forward. Um, I know a lot of us tend to try and make things about us because that's how we empathize with other people. Um, 
that's how we connect normally. But in this instance, I really encourage anyone who is not a person of color to check your privilege, shut your mouth and just listen to what people are saying and go from there. Just really hear what they have to say, understand what they have to say, and then move forward from that. And that's really, I feel all you can do right now. Again, if you, even if you are taking part in protests or donating money, you still need to do that as part of um, your part of making a change, a positive change and utilizing this movement and recognizing it for what it is and helping do your part moving forward. Absolutely. And I think one thing too um, is know that this, it's, it's not an isolated incident. It's much bigger than all of us. And um, Black Lives Matter is just a stepping stone. I mean, um, I've seen a lot of really, really beautiful things on social media recently with um, a lot of the Native American um, community coming out and supporting and then also shedding light on all of the heinous crimes against their peoples. And especially their women and yeah. that doesn't get addressed on reservations and mm-hmm. there's murder is the third cause of death in indigenous women. And this isn't an isolated thing to the black lives matter movement. I mean, obviously that's the umbrella for this, but it's not just for African-Americans it's across all races of people um, that have been persecuted, treated like garbage, basically. Um, Less than. Like um, expendable resources. And we need to, like I said, check our privilege and just really listen and endeavor to do better in the future. Well, and since it's June as well, Pride Month, um, there's, you know, a lot of, uh, things coming out now to to especially recognize um, black trans individuals as well, especially since um, they're countlessly brutalized and um, just seen as less than. And it's really important to, when you say Black Lives Matter, to include everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, I speak for both of us and our families when we say that um, we see you, we hear you, we support you, and we're not going to say sorry because that's not enough. Um, we're going to do better. Mm-hmm. That's that's all we can do. Yeah, very true. Um, speaking of Pride Month, um, as you said, that made me think of... Um, some books that I read recently that have to do with pride and I'm going to do my part on social media to share links to some of those books as recommendations cool. for things that you can read, like short stories and things like that, that you can read this month. Um, to kind of get you thinking about, um, LGBTQIA. Yeah. I don't remember all of it. Um, so I apologize for that. Um, but just to give you something to, to read about and consider during the month of June and during the month of pride. So keep an eye on that on social and I, I think I have some links as well there's a really incredible document that I think we should link as well to our social about um, a guide to allyship yep. um, and that is focused for Black Lives Matter but um, truly being an ally in any form is similar Yep. How to not be a dick, essentially. So I will share that with you as well so we can get that circulated. So this week I am going to be talking about something paranormal. Ooh. Um, specifically a cryptid. And um, there's going to be a lot of French in this episode that I am going to probably mm-hmm. horribly mangle. I only know one phrase. In French. And I, I borrow, I bought this like 
language learning CD from Barnes and Noble when I was in like seventh grade for a summer thinking like, yeah, I'm going to learn French. I'm going to be the coolest eighth grader that has ever lived. And the only phrase I retained um, from this CD, because one, it was like an elderly man and and, uh, an older woman, which is kind of like flirting essentially throughout the CD and saying stuff. The only thing I know is snip up of which means it's not for you. <laughs> you know what? That's the best phrase to retain now. Right? I say it to my pets all the time. Whenever I'm eating, I'm like, snip up of It's not for you. That's a good one. This is the only phrase I know. Although in preparation for this episode, I did um, copy and paste the phrases into Google Translate and listen to the um, very French woman like saying the phrase and then I spelled it out phonetically in like my, my notes. So hopefully I will get them all right. But just a heads up if I horribly mangle the French language, I apologize to anyone who speaks French for my uh horrible accent and pronunciation. So a French cryptid. Yep. So right. today we are going to be talking about the Nan Rouge. Something red. Yep. The red dwarf. That could be literally anything. Right? The red dwarf. Sounds like a bar in St. Paul. I'm sure there actually is a bar <laughs> in St. Paul named the red dwarf somewhere. <laughs> or there used to be one and then they renamed it right? something super douchey. Mm-hmm. So. And now it's like essence. <laughs> and they, they only make cocktails with egg whites. <laughs> and like... Uh, like Right next to the XL Stadium, so the hockey fans get all pissed off. They're just like, I just want a Coors Light. Why don't you have Coors Light? So I got information for this episode from several sources. Obviously, Wikipedia. Obviously. Because that's a given. A 2016 Metro Times article by Lee DeVito. A 2019 Curb Detroit article by Aaron Mondry. Uh, 2017 Mysterious Universe article by Brent Swanser. That website's awesome, by the way. If you've never checked out Mysterious Universe, you need to go on there. It's got like tons of really cool articles. Nice. About lots of fun things. So. Okay. And I I had totally forgotten about it until I was researching this cryptid. And I was like, oh yeah, fuck. I need to go on there more. (laughs) Nice. I'll probably find tons of research material on there. The next like. Four weeks of stories is all from that website. Oh, God. And then lastly, a 2019 Atlas Obscura article by Jessica Lee Hester. Um, And I will have links to all these articles in the show notes. The Nan Rouge is known by many names, which include the Red Prince of Persecution, Cadillac's Folly, and the Demon of the Strait. But obviously, he is most commonly referred to as the Nan Rouge, or as you guessed earlier, the Red Dwarf. Fun story, I didn't tell you this up front, but he's actually the demon of Detroit, Michigan. So he moved? (laughs) (laughs) That's my first thought. It's like, oh, so we went by boat with the settlers. And it was like, right. It was like, hey guys, can I get you a ride to the, the new world? That sounds fun. It's like, I think I do real well there. I like fur trading. Okay. So he's in rivers. I'm sorry. So we're like the French Canadians, the ones that named him? Yes. Okay. So yes. Like Detroit would not be like, you know what we should call him? <laughs> non rouge. Yeah, sure. So. Yeah, he's from Detroit. I know. It's so great. It's so great. <laughs> so the history of Nan Rouge dates back to 1701 when a Frenchman named Antoine de la Mouffe Cadillac, he's French, um, founded Detroit, Michigan. Oh. And the Nan Rouge is said to appear right before a disaster strikes the area. <gasps> like the uh, the one... Mothman. Yep, like the Mothman. What? Isn't the Mothman in New York? No, Jersey. 
Pennsylvania, I think. Oh, so it's not that close to Detroit. No. So it's like, they share a lake. <laughs> it's all adding up. Best friends. They yeah. go out for brunch together. Maybe he moved. You know, maybe. maybe they were friends. And then the mafia was like, no. And he had his own territory. He's like, you know, I don't like these French Canadians. I want to go somewhere a little bit more quiet. I'm more about freedom. I'm going to go to Pennsylvania. I'm more about Puritan living. I love that Liberty Bell. I'm going to crack it. He's all about that Liberty Bell. You watch. He's actually from like New Jersey or something. You're probably right. I'm going to quick Google it because now I need to know. Where does Mothman live? Well, I know he was sometimes in like Southern states, right? Like, wasn't he seen like... He's from West Virginia. He lives at the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. <laughs> oh, dang. He was the carpenter. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It all checks up. It all checks out. God damn it. First a carpenter and now <laughs> a disaster oh. prophesizer. No, a harbinger of doom. Yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> she put that on his LinkedIn profile. Harbinger of doom. He just laid low until the 70s. The the haunting and then the uh, shit. The lobotomies are too much for him. He's like, you know what, guys? Fuck okay. this. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to go find... He's like, I'm going to start warning people of shit like this now. Only like more intense and kind of more natural. I'm going to go lay low, uh, grow some wings, and <laughs> practice flying. And then I'm going right. to start uh, warning people of shit that's going to go down. Sick of repairing things for you. Yep. So back to the Nan Rouge. Back to the French. So for example, in the 1763 Battle of Bloody Run, British soldiers were killed during a thwarted attack on Chief Pontiac of the Odawa tribe, which today we would know them as the Ottawa tribe. Okay. Um, So that's the actual pronunciation, and we say Ottawa instead? Yep. I know, the worst. He is also said to have appeared prior to the Great Fire of 1805, which devastated the city of Detroit and burned down all but one building. What was the building? It was a stone fort. I was like, is it like a bakery or something? He was like, you know, I really like that place. (laughs) I really like the beignets they make. They're croissant. Yeah, literally all of Detroit was just wood buildings, so... That's how all of them were. Yeah. Our parents work for newspapers and our mom likes to go back in the archives. So many of these little towns were just like, whoop, there's a fire. Got to start over now. <laughs> like, everything's gone. Yep. Hey, let's make it out of wood again yep. and see what happens. We love deforestation. <laughs> Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum took all the stone, so. Yeah, they were like, we have nothing else to build with besides wood. Right. So we're still in the history. So the earliest, <laughs> I didn't know where I was at in my notes. We're doing so well right now. I am killing it. I'm killing it at this history podcast. Tangent City. <laughs> the earliest recording of the Na Rouge was documented by Marie Caroline Watson Hamlin in her book, Legends of Le Detroit. Um, even though it wasn't published until 1883. Um, so because she was a lady? She was a lady. And so they're like, your book doesn't matter. I bet it only says made up words. It talks about tea parties and petticoats. Had a macrame. Had <laughs> a macrame. <laughs> Cross-stitch, quilt. Right. Anything with a needle and thread. The bonus at the end of the of the book is like her butter recipe. Oh God, churn butter. Mm-mm. Um, in the book, Marie describes that the governor of New France was hosting a party in honor of Cadillac, who had recently been given permission to build a fort in the area. So this whole area was um, basically a French territory at the time. Got it. Um, if you. Didn't lead on to that. Right. So, and that'll be important later on. But okay. Just know the area is owned by the French. We oui. here, 
Here is when shit gets cray. Okay, ready. So suddenly, an old fortune teller named Mère Manique La Sorcière appeared. She's a sorceress. Yep. Manique was described as, quote, a woman of unusual height, a dark, swarthy complexion, restless, glittering eyes, and strangely fashioned garments, yet in harmony with her face. So she knew how to coordinate with colors. Good good for her. Yep. So basically she was like... Unsettling height, though. Like, which way? (laughs) Well, yeah, like, it sounds like she... I pictured her as really tall. Yeah, that's where I was going with it first, but like... I pictured her as like a tall, pirate-looking woman, because she had like dark complexion, dark hair, like... I just kind of pictured her as like stepping off of like the Black Pearl or something from like a Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> They're stuck at the lake because they went the wrong way. Yeah. And she's like, well, shit. <laughs> Might as well tell these people some magic tricks. <laughs> we just ended up like going through all the Great Lakes to get here. Right. She was also joined by a black cat that sat on her shoulder licking her ear from time to time as if, quote, sharing dark secrets. <gasps> Or cleaning her ear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, oh, no. Manique, you got something. You got something right here. Everybody was like, hi, Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I got this. Um, so Manique approached Cadillac and started to tell him his fortune. She is recorded as saying that he, quote, would found a great city, which one day will have more inhabitants than New France now possesses. And many children will nestle around your fireside. His own, right? Yes. <laughs> Just like random children off the street. <laughs> come here, children. He's like the Pied Piper of children. Like, come sit up by my fireside, random children, street urchins. This reminds me of those people who like wake up and there's like cats and dogs in their house and they don't know how they got in. <laughs> They're like, well, because I have a cat now. Exactly. <laughs> so he wakes up and there's like six kids. <laughs> He's like, what? Guess like, you're mine now. Just have like a castle, right? The stone yeah, he's, he's, no. yeah, he built a. He's he hasn't built a fort yet. Okay. He would one day. He's ready for. He's like, come here, children. Yeah, and so fun fact: in the 1700s, there were about. 1,750 settlers living in New France at that time. Okay. That would be a lot, honestly. Yeah. So his city would have more people than that. Dang. Intrigued, Cadillac asked the fortune teller to continue, but he wasn't the biggest fan of what she had to say next. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is their water going to get polluted later? <laughs> <laughs> so she told him, quote, the policy you intend pursuing in selling liquor to the savages contrary to the advice of the Jesuits, will cause you much trouble and be the cause of your ruin. Ooh, so she was like for prohibition. Yep. She's like, don't get him drunk. Yep. Don't do it. Yep. And Cadillac was known for his dislike of the Jesuits, who he felt were unjustly opposing him selling alcohol to the native tribes, which was a huge source of income for him. Oh, I bet. Because there were, I think, three to four different tribes in the area at that time. Dang. And Monique continued with, quote, In years to come, your colony will be the scene of strife and bloodshed. The Indians will be treacherous. The hated English will struggle for its possession. But under a new flag, it will reach a height of prosperity, which you never in your wildest dreams pictured. Monique then left him with her final warning. Appease the non-rouge. Beware of offending him. Should you be thus unfortunate, not a vestige of your inheritance will be given to your heirs. Your name will scarcely be known in the city you founded. And in Hamlin's book, she included a footnote that repeated that the, quote, demon of the strait should be respected, that it would be, quote, most malignant if offended, but capable of being appeased by flattery. Me too. I was going to say, I mean... Aren't we all? Same. <laughs> Six years later, Cadillac was doing quite well for himself after establishing a prosperous colony at Fort Pumchatois du Detroit. 
Nice. He and his wife had a daughter, and several of the local tribes were eager to trade with the French newcomers, even going so far as establishing settlements around the fort. And I was a little confused by this part in my history, because in another article I read, and I'll note it later, he had many more children than just a daughter. So I don't know if this was like the first child he had, and he had many more later after this, or I'm not quite sure where this falls in the timeline of him having kids. Or if he was just like a whore and only acknowledged one of them. I don't know. Just know that he is obviously hearkening back to the whole, you will have many children by your fireside, like prophecy thing. He does have more kids. I just don't know at this point in his history, if he's had more than just a daughter or not. That wasn't clear to me. Okay. Um, Cadillac was starting to get a big head, thanks to his good fortune. And he started demanding that settlers pay rent, share their crops, and even hand over a bounty. Why? What'd you do, sir? Right. All you did was build the fort, douche. But did he? Did he even build it? Yeah, he just stood there and was like, put those stones over there. And then in 1707, Cadillac and his wife were out and about the town. Yep. When they heard a couple of people discussing the conditions for the poor. And one said his wife recently saw Le Petit Homme Rouge. (gasps) And then, as if Beetlejuice was being summoned, the non-rouge suddenly appeared quote, very red in the face with a bright glistening eye. Instead of burning, it froze. Instead of possessing depth, emitted a cold gleam like the reflection from a polished surface, bewildering and dazzling all who came into its within its focus. A grinning mouth displaying sharp, pointed teeth completed his strange face. So he was kind of like Medusa almost. Where he'd like look at you and pin you to the spot. Yeah, it sounds like he was pretty fucking terrifying. Yeah. So, of course, like a bro with selective memory, Cadillac smacked the non with his cane, screaming, get out of my way, you red imp, before the demon vanished with an evil mocking laugh. He just like hit him with a cane. Yep. Then a disembodied voice said, quote, you have offended him. Your impetuosity will bring you and yours to ruin. You were told to coax him to beware of annoying this demon. And in your ungovernable temper, you do just otherwise. Misfortune will soon be your portion. So the Red Dwarf had like a hype man. That like followed him afterwards and was like, ooh, you did it. <laughs> just like You're gonna get it now. Just popped out from behind like a house. It was just like, ooh shit, son. Right. Like, I know you did not just hit him with a cane. Yeah. It was the black cat from Monique earlier, just like came walking out and it was just like He just shows up on his shoulder, licks his ear and goes, Ooh, you're gonna get it now. <laughs> Hey, bitch, remember this prophecy you heard not even six years ago? Shit's going to get real. Right? Uh Uh-oh. So now payback starts to be a bitch for old Cadillac. If you can imagine, he was a bit of a blowhard with an inflated ego who never took responsibility for his actions unless... I don't see that. Yeah, unless Mm -hmm. they were in his favor. And soon his superiors were done with his bullshit and shipped him off to Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So now he can go be Cajun. (laughs) He is the Cajun. He's the original Cajun. He is the OG Cajun. (laughs) So he and his wife had 13 children. Fuck, that poor woman. Yep. Half of whom didn't survive to adulthood. Which is why I said earlier, I wasn't sure at what point, like how many children he had besides that daughter when they were originally in the fort. I wonder if she died. I don't know. Or like, 
That's weird that they had like one daughter lived six years and then went to Louisiana and was like, boom, 13 more. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming he had more yeah, prior to then. Yeah. I'm assuming he had more between then and then maybe some of them had already passed when he had the daughter. I don't know. Yeah. But um, he did eventually return to France and held a local governorship, governorship in Castel Sarazon before passing in 1730. Wow. Okay. Now I'm going to stop for some coffee because my throat's getting all scratchy. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> so at the time it was written, Hamlin ended the tale by saying, quote, since then he, being the Nan Rouge, mm-hmm. has never reappeared, having, it is to be hoped, accomplished his mission. But the tradition still lingers among the old inhabitants that should misfortune ever threaten the bonny city of the Straits, the Nan Rouge will again appear to give the signal of warning. Yeah, that's kind of nice. He's like, hey, you should leave. <laughs> or prepare yourselves, shit's going to get real. Right. He invented tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, hey, there's a funnel cloud upstairs. You should go look. Go outside and look. And then maybe go to, go to your basement or your bunker. You should create something underground, under your house. He also invented basements. And bunkers. He was very busy. He was very progressive. Tornadoes, bunkers, basements. So um, if history is to be believed, he did appear again. Ooh, when? So according to legend, he was spotted on July 30th, 1763, before the Battle of Bloody Run, where 60 British soldiers were killed by the Odawa tribe, led by Chief Pontiac. And in the melee, Captain James Dayell was decapitated, and his head was put on a stick so it could be paraded around for all to see. Damn. Uh, The Nan Rouge was said to be seen, quote, dancing among the corpses, on the bank of the Detroit River following the battle, which ran red with blood for several days afterward. So he was like, this is great. (laughs) He was like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Gonna have good crops this year with all these dead bodies. (laughs) All this blood gonna help your crops. (laughs) Soybeans. (laughs) All the iron in your soil. Um. Locals also swore that they caught glimpses of his evil face the night before the June 11th, 1805 fire that leveled the entire city, save for one stone fort and all of the stone chimneys of the wooden houses. That would be kind of funny. Everything's level, and the only thing that's that's there are, like, chimneys. <laughs> and a stone fort. Yeah. I'm picturing it's the actual fort that Cadillac built and everyone's just like, ah, oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> like this is where we have to live now until we can rebuild our city. Great. Awesome sauce. During the war of 1812, general William Hull reported seeing quote dwarf attacks in the fog prior to his surrender of Fort Detroit to the British on August 16th, 1812, following the siege of Detroit. So there was more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you'll remember in her prediction, she did say that the British were going to claim control of the area too. Mm-hmm. Take that as you will. <laughs> General Hall reported seeing the creature a second time during the surrender of Detroit in 1813, because at this time he was the governor of the area. He was the first governor put in place of the area and the Nan Rouge was quote grinning with his disgusting teeth <laughs> they didn't have toothbrushes what do you expect that's so mean they have soybeans in it like I don't, I don't know like was it just like full of blood or <laughs> so mean <laughs> like you're trying to disgusting <laughs> all right dude you nasty right brush them teeth there's a reason why Crest didn't sponsor him. Right. And then Hall was later executed for his military incompetence. 
Yeah, I could see that. Yep. In October of 1872, a woman named Jane, I'm going to say Daisy, had just returned to her home on Elizabeth Street when she encountered a creature she described as having, quote, blood red eyes, long teeth, and rattling hoofs lurking in a darkened room. In her house? In her house. Okay. She was reportedly so shocked that she passed out and was bedridden for some time afterwards. I mean, I would be too. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. No, I would. Mm -mm. I wouldn't want a little devil person in my house. At least he was nicer about his teeth this time. She just described him as long, not like disgusting. Yeah, she was just like, he had blood red eyes, super long teeth, and he had hooves, which is a new um, development. Blood twist. <laughs> Did he just wear like a really long coat <laughs> all the other times? <laughs> so like his, his hooves were hidden. In the last sighting before the 1900s, in 1884, a woman claimed to have been attacked by a creature that was described as, quote, a baboon with a horned head, brilliant, restless eyes, and a devilish leer on its face. People are getting more inventive and imaginative with his looks. I know. So now he's a, he's a little minky with hooves. Right? Which is racist. Like, <laughs> how did they know about baboons in the 1800s? Were they common in the French? Well, and if you think about it, baboons don't have red faces. So were they calling him ass face? <laughs> So far, like everybody was like, his face was red. And now he's like, his face looks like a baboon's butt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the baboons that walk backwards so their butts are in your face. It's just on a hand, handstand. God. So that's the history of the Nan Rouge in the area. So now I'm going to go into a bit of the lore of like, where did he come from? Okay. Like, obviously, he didn't just, like, magically appear on a boat. Uh, the original non-Rouge legend began in Normandy, France. Okay. He did appear on a boat, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> he came aboard the boat. <laughs> he did move. I was right. <laughs> he just set out in, like, a pickle barrel. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is nice. That's, how, that's why his teeth were so gross, because his teeth were pickled. Yep. Just sitting there in vinegar water. Gross. Fingers. In French folklore, the Nan Rouge is believed to be one of the lutins, which are a type of hobgoblin, which are a type of hobgoblin that in other cultures would be seen as a house spirit. Okay. So kind of like a poltergeist type of thing. Yeah. Somebody to blame when the dishes didn't get done that night. Yeah. Or if you hear strange noises and it's just like, your husband with his mistress. Right. It was a hobgoblin, honey. <laughs> he was touching my no-no places and I said no. <laughs> the Lutons made me do it. <laughs> so unlike other Lutons that are generally considered to be hospitable and like, you know, just kind of like, hey, we just do these kind of fun little pranks. Uh, the non-rouge is considered to be a mean-spirited trickster that is prone to prankish behavior and also seen as an omen of great misfortune whenever it appears. Oh, so he's not just like breaking a dish or making you making you have affairs. <laughs> he's like, also, you're probably going to die. <laughs> or like all your cattle are going to die or your crops are going to fail. Something horrible. Great. So in America... The legend of the Nan Rouge is said to possibly be a mix of a variety of different cultures sort of converging as French settlers came to the area and started mingling with the native tribes. That makes sense. Because in native culture, the Nan Rouge was seen as a benevolent spirit and protector. So um, they're not quite sure how the narrative shifted over time uh, with the arrival of the I mean, they think it's probably had to do with the arrival of the French. Well, yeah, I bet it was a protector for the Native Americans and was really awful to the French trying to protect them. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. So the French Catholics were obviously suspicious of beliefs that would have been viewed as anti-Christian. Right. And so they may have picked up bits and pieces of the Native 
cultural heroes that reminded them of the folk tales from their homeland. That makes sense. It would so, also make sense that they would blame like a demon-like creature instead of like a nice spirit for the natives. They're like, actually, he's a demon. Yeah, exactly. With disgusting teeth and a baboon <laughs> face. <laughs> and and like, hooves. They're like, hey man, he's a nice guy. And they're like, no, he's disgusting. He has hooves. <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. That bitch is disgusting. And also, the reimagining or retelling of a non rouge story could also be seen as a type of racist viewing of what the French settlers at the time considered, quote, the indigenous threat. So regardless, there is a debate on whether the non-Rouge, like we said before, is truly an evil entity, as he has been kind of painted to be, or a misunderstood protector, a la the Mothman, that appears before disasters as a way to try and like warn and prevent things from happening. I have a feeling he's probably more good than evil. He just seems evil because he was trying to protect the original people. It's hard to not see a creature that is red and short and has long pointy teeth as something that would be evil. Because, you know, not only does red have a very negative connotation Mm -hmm. as a general rule, but, you know, if he's got cloven feet, he's going to be seen as the devil regardless I mean, if you think back to even like Greek mythology, they saw Pan as like, you know, this horrible creature. Troublemaker. Yeah. And like a seducer of women. Jerk. (laughs) Yeah. He was basically like a seducer of women with his like Pan flute and his cloven feet and Mm -hmm. upper man body. Hairy legs. Super hairy goat legs. Hey, ladies. (laughs) once you've had goat I don't know (laughs) I don't know I don't know either Um, so fast forward to the present Okay. Uh, I just wanted to include this because I thought it was interesting so each year for the past decade on the first Sunday in spring Detroit holds the Marche du Nan Rouge to quote banish the demon and protect Detroit for another year So it's like basically Detroit's version of Mardi Gras. I was just going to say, is there lots of alcohol involved? There's lots of alcohol. (laughs) Um, There's like a parade. People will dress up. There's a big ceremony where they like are casting him out of the city for another year. Um, But there are also people who will attend the protests and stress that Banan Rouge is actually good and should not be cast out. So there's like still those two camps of people that are like, no, he's really a good, a good entity and he's protecting us. So you shouldn't be trying to cast him out and piss him off. Interesting. So, so yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting because that was the first real thing that I saw in my research was this parade that they have every year. And yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. And it was like something that was started by like two people Right. Who happened to like learn about the legend one year and it was like, hey, let's do this fun thing. It's an excuse to get drunk. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <'cause> it, <laughs> well, yeah. And they were like going back to their whole like French heritage mm-hmm. and thinking, you know, well, we're thinking about like the French people that were in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Like they have Mardi Gras, this like huge thing. And it's a booming business mm-hmm. for them because they get all this money from it. Why can't we have something like that in Detroit with our French heritage and all that kind of stuff. So on the one hand, it's kind of smart to try to get more money in the area. But on the other, it's like, why are you going to be like that? Yeah. Like, why Why you got to be so mean? Because it seems almost like a hate parade. Yeah, it does. It seems like an excuse for people to be angry and drunk, which is never a good combination. Not particularly, no. I wonder yeah. what the um, Native Americans in the area think of that. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know, like, what, yeah. Because I'm, sure, be I'm sure they're the ones that are like, don't. Please yeah, don't. please don't. Please don't do that. It's okay. You know, he's he's fine. Yeah. I would hope that they would have their own, like, 
counter protest. Yeah, tradition where they'd be like, sorry, bro. Sorry, the white people are once again ruining everything. (laughs) Please stay. Please protect us. Yeah. I mean, screw those guys, but protect us. So, yeah, that's the history and legend of the Narouche. Nice. Well, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Not necessarily nice because it was all like pretty bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Mostly fires. Yeah. I just thought it was so interesting that there was a cryptid in Detroit, Michigan, of all places. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense because of the settlers and the lakes and, but yeah, I've never heard of that. I've also, yeah. you know, we're not that close to Michigan. You you think you yeah. are. And then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> so why would I know about this stuff? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. So to close out the episode, I thought we could, as our like happy closer, talk about things that we're doing recently to kind of help with our self-care and mental health. Okay. So would you like to go first? Sure. Or would you like me to go first? No, I can go. Um, I exercise every day, go to bed at a good time. I take baths and they're great. Um, I walk my dog. I go outside, you know, six feet away from other people. And well, you've been, you've been eating healthier too. Like you've been making your own, like, I remember you telling me the other day that you made like a smoothie and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to, (laughs) yeah, I made a smoothie because I really miss fresh fruit. (laughs) A lot. Um, because I'm immunocompromised. So if I, if I get stuff, I get it delivered and, you know, you can't always guarantee that you'll get the fruits and veggies that you want, um, from a delivery place, even though they do a pretty good job, like when they do pick out stuff for you. But, um, Willie and I have been playing ball outside every day, which is nice. Willie's my golden retriever slash service dog slash all around good boy. I love Willie. Willie is my favorite furry nephew. He's pretty great. Not going to lie. Pretty fantastic. 10 out of 10 would uh, obtain again. (laughs) 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 He was kind of a gift, but yeah. Would clone and keep again. Uh, I would clone him. That might get weird though. Yeah. He's such a good boy. Yeah. What about you? So I've been talking regularly with my talk space therapist. This is not an ad. How is that going though? Like, cause I, I know you've, you've been doing talk space for a while now, a couple of months, right? I've been doing it for, I think about six months. How's it been? I've really liked it. And I like it because I'm able to center messages in the moment, messages that I can reference back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, if I'm having similar similar issues, if I'm experiencing similar situations, to kind of reference what she said in response, um, I can also send her like pictures and links to things that I'm talking about. Uh, if I want to give her more information on the sort mm-hmm. of things that I'm talking about, or things that are going on, or that I'm feeling, uh, and she appreciates being able to receive like pictures from me. Uh, she really likes that. I'm willing to share that kind of stuff with her. She's actually really excited to hear my podcast, which is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I was telling her about it and give her a shout out via first name. Uh, Emily, Emily is my therapist. So so shout out Emily. Thank you so much. I appreciate that you are a part of my life because, uh, it's nice to get, a third party's perspective on what's going on and to feel like someone is listening to me and understanding what I'm saying and not judging me for having certain feelings or, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Sometimes it's really nice just to have somebody to say things to, like, you don't have to respond. You don't have to fix it. Just like, just listen to what I have to say. Let me unload. Let Yeah, like, just let me say it. And then 
that feels like a hundred times better generally. Yeah. Just to get stuff off my chest. And I usually will try to include something positive when I'm talking to her about a bunch of negative things, Mm -hmm. especially now. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to be conscious of the fact that you probably are dealing with a lot of other people who have way worse issues than I'm experiencing, Mm -hmm. especially now considering everyone's sort of like trapped at home and they're dealing with maybe anxiety for the first time in their life Mm -hmm. uh, and feeling a little bit claustrophobic and things like that. So, um, and she appreciates that. She appreciates that I sent her pictures of my kids and, um, you know, pictures of, we've been doing weekly bonfires Mm -hmm. to sort of like end out the week. Like, yeah, we survived another week of quarantine and I've become very good at starting fires very quickly. (laughs) And we recently purchased, uh, small electric chainsaw that I've been using a lot mm-hmm. and it makes me feel really badass to like, <laughs> chop all this um extra wood and stuff we've had laying around so I, that's kind of cool like being outside and doing stuff like that and just that's also been a good uh self-care episode epi- uh Exercise. That was the word I was trying to find. <laughs> Exercise. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that word means. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to be outside more. I'm going on lots of bike rides with my kids and my husband. Uh, we, I think I might, I meant, might have mentioned it last time. We've been going on like Pokemon hunts around yeah, town. That's really cute. Cause there's lots of different like poke stops and gyms around town. So we'll like plan out little routes so we can hit different places and then we'll stop and I'll let my youngest catch some Pokemon while my oldest catches her own Pokemon. And it's just kind of a fun thing that we do to try to get outside and get some exercise and nice little break. Yeah. Just get out of the house and we try to get out a couple times a day and go for either short rides or longer ones when we are quote unquote catching them all. So do you have anything else that you would like to share? No. So on that note, uh, I will close out by letting you know that you can find us online at ye old crime podcast.com and, and, or follow us on social media at ye old crime podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email us at yeoldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. I don't know what you would email us about, but yeah. if, if you want to email us, I would definitely, I will definitely read it and respond to it and appreciate it. So yeah, I'm Lindsay and I'm Madison and we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. Yay. <laughs>